Welcome to Stories from the First Watch. This is both a solo role-playing game and an experiment in audio storytelling. The story and the character's actions will unfold upon the roll of the dice. Once the game starts, nothing is predetermined. The dice are in control. Last time on Stories from the First Watch. We started off with a flashback to Almanda's recent past, when he was a member of the Provincial Border Guard in the southern outpost of Jankeen. After finishing his patrol in the searing heat, he is approached by Abilene, a fellow guard, who instructs him it is time to take on a mission for a mysterious figure known as the Lady. This involves stealing some information, as well as the garrison commander's horse, and taking them both northward to the lady's base. Elmanda is reluctant, knowing it will be a difficult and dangerous mission, and he tells his colleague to ask for an increase in reward money. Abilene cautiously warns him that messing with her is dangerous, but Elmanda is adamant. We then rejoin the party in Hollow Hill, a few hours on from the street fight. They are about to leave for the bandit hideout in the old dwarven fort of Caramund. But firstly, we have another level up, this time Na'vi, as well as the introduction of two new NPCs, Macus and Longo, village militiamen who will accompany the party on their quest. Waving goodbye to Elwyn, who is staying to recover from his injuries, and Reeve Denwald, the party heads up into the foothills. After leaving the track behind, they come across an uncanny rock formation, known locally as Old Man's Bluff, which Maccus asserts may be the remains of a long-dead stone giant. Shortly after, Kilia finds the location of the hideout entrance, but struggles to open it. After deliberation, Na'vi translates the runes inscribed upon it, which allows him to decipher the password that activates the ancient dwarven magic imbued within. The episode ends as the party is about to enter, what will await them? We shall soon find out. Behind the scenes. Before we continue the story, we have more level ups to deal with. Today it's the turn of both Elmanda and Mara. The entire party have now survived until level two. Hopefully that gives them all more of a chance of surviving in this dangerous world a little longer. Let's see how our fighter and magic user fare. Elmanda, rolling a d8 for hit points. 6. That gives him a maximum of 14, although currently he is down 1 at 13. That's a good start. As the party's fighter, he will need every hit point he can get. Let's see whether his stats improve. On a 6, a stat will improve by 1. Strength. Two, this stays the same. Dexterity, three, no change. Constitution, one, again the same. Intelligence, one, no, he hasn't had much time for learning recently. Wisdom, five, that's close, but no luck. 
charisma one so not the best level up but at least he has significantly more hit points on tomorrow now she could definitely do with more hit points rolling a d4 four the maximum she could get that's great news Mara doubles her hit points from 4 to 8. After almost a week in the wilderness, she has improved her fitness and stamina. Under her stats. Strength. 2. No change here. Mara will still have a penalty to her strength rolls. Dexterity. 1. This too stays the same. Constitution. 1 again. No change. Intelligence. Mara is already at her maximum, so I won't change this. Wisdom. Yet another one. Charisma. Two. No, again, no change. Again, not the best level up, but a welcome dose of hit points for Mara. However, most importantly, at level two, she now has the opportunity to acquire a second first level spell. She won't get it immediately, however. Basic fantasy rules state that she either has to be taught by another magic user or must take time to research her new spell, so I'll rule that she can't use it until the party takes their next short rest. But let's roll to see what she'll get. Rolling a d12 on the first level spells table. Detect magic. Interesting. This allows Mara to detect enchanted objects or creatures within a 60 foot radius, enveloping them in a pale glowing light. Hopefully, this will come in very handy. With that, let's return to the party. Day 5. Midday. Party status. Kilia, 7 out of 7 hit points. Elmanda, 13 of 14 hit points. Navi, 10 of 12 hit points. Mara, 8 of 8 hit points. Spells available, read magic and shield. Navi has prayed for cure light wounds. The sun was obscured by a light covering of cloud, which Kilia was grateful for, as she felt less exposed high on this outcrop of rock. However, it also meant that she could not see very far at all into the deep, well-like drop that the hidden opening had revealed. The party stared down into this abyss, assessing the situation. There were a couple of rungs of a ladder visible under the lip of the frame that held the stone door in place, but for all they could tell, the rest was a sheer drop. Well, said Armanda eventually, we're not here to kiss fairies. Killia. You're the most skillful of us. Have a shin down and see what's waiting for us. I feel like I should go first, Master Elmander, said Navi stiffly. This place is a remnant of my people, and I would like to pay my respects. Well, with respect, you are not the daintiest of creatures, and I don't want you tripping over a bucket and waking the whole damn nest up, growled the fighter. Navi's face darkened slightly, but then he smiled. This is fair, he said. The most respectful thing is to drive these vermin from the halls. But you forget, 
I am able to see in the dark much better than you humans can. I can get down without waking the whole damn nest with the light of a torch. Elmander sighed. <sighs> Very well, he said. Go first. But we should let Kilia check for nasty surprises when we get to the bottom. Narvi nodded and slowly began to lower himself into the dark portal. Kilia followed, then Elmander, Macus, and Mara, with Longo taking the rear. All six moved cautiously down the ladder. In the event, the rungs went down a distance of about 30 feet, at a slight angle, so that when they reached the bottom, they could no longer see the sky through the entrance hole. They moved forward down a narrow passageway, until no light reached them at all. Narvi's eyes quickly adjusted to the dark. He looked briefly, then turned to the others. This path goes forward another 20 yards. There is a door at the end. Nothing or no one stands in our way. You may make light if you wish. There was a quiet metallic strike from a tinderbox, and the darkness was interrupted by a small flame. Elmanda, Macus, and Mara held torches aloft in their spare hands. Kilia crouched down low and began to examine the stone floor. Behind the scenes. The party members have entered their first dungeon. I created the bandit's lair at random using Donjon, a fantasy RPG dungeon generator, but I made a few edits to fit in with the theme. I feel that even though the bandits are likely resting during the day, they must have some safeguard against intrusion, maybe a patrol or some kind of trap or guard creature. Surely the party won't just be able to move around as they see fit. Let's start off with a wandering encounter roll. I'm going to keep the same odds, 3 and 6, as the party are deep in bandit territory. 5. Luckily, the party doesn't seem to have been noticed as yet. Kilia is also checking this passageway for traps. She has a 25% chance of finding them, if there are any. 48. So she doesn't find any, but that doesn't mean they aren't there. Let's return to the action. The party advanced cautiously along the narrow passageway. The tunnel was built for dwarves so the humans felt cramped and hemmed in. The top of Elmander's head was just an inch or two below the ceiling. Narvi took the lead, followed by Elmander, Kilia, Macus, and Mara, with Longo behind. Longo held the torch to give those in front of him enough light to see by. They were quiet and tense, on the alert for any noise, but the only sound was their own footsteps and the occasional drip of water. After a couple of minutes they came to a junction, one passage curving round to the left and the other round to the right. After a short, quiet debate, they decided to take the right-hand passage. Navi stopped suddenly. There is human writing on the wall there, look, he said, pointing to a part of the tunnel to his left, just above his head height. Sure enough, Kilia could just make out a short message scrawled in spidery letters in chalk. She squinted. It says... 
The cohort of Paha looted here. What's that mean? No idea, said Elmanda grimly, but it was all too obvious he had heard the term before. Mara frowned. Paha? That name sounds familiar. An old demon god, isn't it? One of the pagan pantheon who terrorised the lands before the All-God came into this plane and defeated them. I can't remember what it was a god of, though. Death, replied Elmanda. How, how do you know that? Um, no offence, said Mara. I didn't know you were interested in religion. I'm not, Elmanda retorted. I'm interested in profit, and sometimes cults have a lot of cash to spend. You know this cohort, then? said Navi. Elmanda gave a heavy sigh. I have had dealings with them in the past, he said. The quite recent past. I was hoping not to mingle with them again any time soon, but it seems like this bandit problem might be linked. That captain we captured, he knew of me, though I didn't know him. This thing goes deeper and further than I thought. Well, what are they doing here then? asked Mara. All God knows. Let's hope we don't have to find out. Kilia's hushed voice came from ahead. There's a door up here. The others moved towards her. Sure enough, there was a wooden door blocking their way. That's not dwarven design, said Navi. Our doors are carved in stone, and are far better fashioned. Yes, suspicious, said Armanda. Kilia, time to work your magic again. The thief nodded, and began examining the flagstones and door panels for anything out of the ordinary. Behind the scenes. I'm going to get Kilia to check for traps again. This time, as decreed by the random dungeon design, this door is trapped. This makes sense. It would be remiss of the bandits to leave their lair completely unguarded. Kilia needs a 25 or less on a D100 to find the trap. Here goes. 54. Oh no, that's a fail. She won't find the hidden mechanism that triggers the trap, which I've decided is a javelin trap. A large steel javelin will shoot through a retractable panel in the door at whoever happens to be standing in its line of fire. I'll roll a d6. On a 1, a party member is the target. They will get a dexterity save with a minus 1 penalty to take into account the speed and force of the javelin. If they fail, they will be hit for 1d6 damage. I'll roll for each character. Kilia, 6. Mara, 6. Navi, 1. Oh no, Navi is in the line of fire. He is the worst possible party member to be in his way, as his dexterity is so poor he already has a penalty. With the added penalty he has a minus 2 to his roll, so he needs to roll 18 or more on a d20 to dodge it. 8. No luck. The javelin slams into him, causing 6 damage. That brings him down to just 4 hit points. Let's see this play out. Kilia stood up, satisfied. 
There are no pressure plates, no triggers that I can find. She gripped the door's brass handle. It's safe to... She instinctively lurched back as the door's middle panel flipped down and a steel javelin launched itself viciously down the tunnel. It narrowly missed Mara, but it hit Na'vi, who reacted too slowly. It caught him on the side of his chest, spinning him around 180 degrees. He tumbled to the floor with a grunt of pain. Elmanda rushed to him and picked him to his feet. Fortunately, the dwarf's chain now had absorbed the worst of the blow, but by the way he winced as the man held him, Elmanda guessed he had cracked a rib. Macus looked shocked, not used to such violence. Longo chewed laconically. Seems to me we have different definitions of what's safe, he drawled. Kilia scowled at him and apologised to Na'vi, who waved her away. No need to apologise. Save your energy for flushing out these occupiers. The party pulled the door back cautiously, but no more danger seemed to be waiting for them. They entered the room on the other side, Elmanda lifting the torch high to illuminate their surroundings. They were in a large square room with a high ceiling. The walls were partially covered in tapestries, depicting bold colours and geometric shapes. Some of them had rotted and trailed to the ground like tree creepers. In the centre was a large U-shaped trough, and broken tools and equipment were scattered around the floor. Ah, oh, said Navi, grinning and momentarily forgetting his discomfort. This is a smelting hall. That trough would have held the molten metal that the blacksmiths would forge into weapons. There must have been a chimney here once, but it seems to have been blocked. Kilia darted around the room like a magpie looking for shiny things, but found neither weapons nor treasure. The room looked like it had been ransacked many years ago and the sense of decay was palpable. Na'vi was despondent. I cannot believe a hall of my people is in this state, he lamented. But once it is clear of vermin, I will return to Shazimbund and raise a troop to reclaim it. Mara interrupted him. Kelly has found another door, she whispered. Sure enough, Kilia waved at them from the other end of the room. They joined her. This time the door was made of stone in the traditional dwarven manner. Even so, the party members were cautious, keeping well away from the entrance until Kilia had finished her checks. Behind the scenes. Kilia had her fingers burned by the last door, so she is more cautious this time. Rolling again to find traps. 23. She is successful. However, in this door, there are no traps to find. The problem is, this is a stone door and there is no lock to pick. Sedimented by age, it is incredibly hard to open. As the strongest party member, Elmanda will push hard against it in an attempt to force it open. He will test it against his strength with a plus one bonus, needing a score of 15 or more. An 18! Elmanda's years in the army have paid off. He pushes the door open with a great effort. Let's see what's on the other side. Kilia stood up, frustrated. There's definitely no trap, she said, pointingly ignoring Longo behind her. But there's no keyhole, no handle. How do we get in? 
I can think of a way, said Almander. He braced himself against the stone of the door and pushed hard. His muscles bulged and the veins stood out on his forehead as he strained against the door, but gradually the stone began to give way. Decades of dirt and grime fell away as it opened into a smaller room. Darkness flooded out of it until Kilia, holding the torch, moved forward. Looks like a storeroom, she said. Shelves and broken furniture everywhere. Complete mess and... Oh no, there's bodies in here! The rest crowded in. There were indeed corpses sprawled over the floor. They looked too short to be men, but surely the dwarves had been gone too long from this place for the bodies of their garrison to still be intact. Bodies, said Armanda. Don't make sense. Why keep them in here? Then, as if in answer, they all saw why. Mara thought it was her imagination at first, but the arm of one of the corpses started to move in a jerky, twitching manner. In the next few seconds, the party watched in horror as, swaying like ghastly marionettes, the bodies of four dwarves rose up, their heads and limbs held at unnatural angles, their flesh grey and putrid, with bones showing through in some places, their clothes ragged and torn. They still clutched weapons in their withered hands. Their sightless eyes gazed at the party, showing no trace of emotion. From their ruined jaws came a hideous parody of speech, guttural groans and wails that emanated from shredded vocal cords. And then they began to walk, slowly and inexorably, towards the horrified party. Thank you for listening to Stories from the First Watch. I'd like to thank everyone who contributed to the voices of the zombies. There are far too many to mention, but you all did a terrific and terrifying job. Will the party escape from the horror of these undead guardians? Find out next time on Stories from the First Watch. RPGs? Do you love stories of sword and sorcery? Are you tired of the typical actual plays and long unedited podcasts? 
Then look no further than Legends from the Fireside, a hybrid storytelling RPG podcast. A podcast filled with tales of adventure and heroism, all at the mercy of the roll of the dice. There's no telling where the story will go and where we will end up. No life is sacred, and no one's survival is guaranteed. You can find the show on all major podcast platforms, and we hope you enjoy Legends from the Fireside.